And I really love that about Alfred and Rena. So tell us a little bit about how, how long you've been, how many years have you been part of what's now City Church? Um, it was 92 February that I first walked into City Church at the recommendation of somebody in Melbourne. I was just visiting my aunt in Melbourne and somebody said, are you going to any church in, in Sydney? Because I had just come to Australia and I didn't know anyone. And they said, there's this church in, in the Blue Mountains, so why don't you check it out? So I just walked in. <laughs> so 26 years ago, to be precise. Wow, that's amazing. How good's that? And we're so glad that you did. That's amazing. Well, tell us the story. We, we've briefly talked about this, but tell us the story about how... You met Rena. I mean, obviously, you're from Sri Lanka. She's from Jakarta. And um, how did your paths cross? And how did you meet each other? And uh, how did it happen? Tell us about it. Uh, short answer is mission strip. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason to sign up right now. <laughs> uh, but the long answer is, um, so when we... From our church, we were supporting a ministry in Indonesia, and um, Rina was part of that ministry in, in Bali. Um, and we sent our first mission stream team um, in October 2001, so a week after 9-11, by the way. <laughs> and so we decided, well, why not? Let's go to the you know largest Muslim country in the world. <laughs> so, um, and so, um, anyway, so that was our first trip and so Rina for part of the trip she was uh, our interpreter for um, you know when, when we spoke in, in different settings she, she was interpreting for us. Is so, she still interpreting for <laughs> you today? <laughs> <laughs> yes she does. <laughs> so um, so in that trip you know we, we really got along well um, Others say that that's when the sparks flew, but for me, <laughs> we were good friends. I came back, a year went past, we had no com- communication with each other. And then the next time our pastor wanted to organize a mission trip, and that was when I was corresponding with her again. And so on our next trip back, that was when, you know, I was like, hmm, have you considered this option? <laughs> so, anyhow. In 2004, the day after the Boxing Day tsunami, we got married in this church. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that. I really love how people get involved in church and then God just weaves through his plan and his purposes and we meet, meet people and our, our connections kind of align and that can happen in friendships, that can happen in, 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 in relationships in a whole bunch of ways. I just love the church that that is a facilitator for that. And I love how you guys met in church. It's exciting. But Alfred, you've got a pretty incredible story when it comes to where you've come from in Sri Lanka to, to coming to Australia and, and the journey in between. And I'd love if you could just share with us a little bit about your story. We're talking about missions today and about a mission's heart. I don't know anybody, where, if you cut them open, that would have a bigger heart for missions than you. And I think a lot of it's to do with the story that you've come through and your experiences and how you've just are in love with Jesus Christ in a whole bunch of contexts, you just take the gospel. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Australia and your journey from Sri Lanka and a little bit about your story. Yeah. So this beautiful complexion is not because me being in the sun, but I was actually born in Sri Lanka. Um, 
So my first seven years of my life was fairly uneventful in terms of like, you know, grew up in a Christian family. My parents, you know, five generations ago, my in, in both my parents' side, they converted from Hinduism to Christianity. So there was a, quite a long heritage of Christian faith in, in our family. But for me, it was more of a, you know, you go to church, say the prayers and that kind of thing, not, not a personal experience at that stage. But I did see God work in our lives in the circumstances that we found ourselves in. So um, when I was seven... We were stuck in a in a waiting room in a um, in a station heading towards a, a part of Sri Lanka, and we were surrounded by a mob, and they were planning to kill us. And uh, because we were from a minority group, so just to give a context in Sri Lanka, so in Sri Lanka, 70% of the population is Buddhist, about 12% of the population is Hindu. Uh, about 9% of the population is Muslim and about 7-something percent of the population is Christian. And I speak a language called Tamil, So, and that's, again, a minority group. So if you're a Christian and a Tamil, then you're a minority within a minority. And um, so it was... Um, so we thought we were going to die because we were surrounded by the, this mob and they were ready to kill. And one of the local politicians stepped in and said, you know, if you are going to do this, you have to go past me. And so, uh, but all through this time, I saw my parents praying, and then miraculously, you know, we were let go, and we moved on. Then when I was eight, there was a cyclone, and more than 500 people around us died. Our house was destroyed. And all through that time, it was about eight hours of storm and water coming through, and um, my, I was, I don't know, seven, and my sister was three, and we urged our parents to keep on singing praise songs. And they, they sang until they, they had no voice left eight hours later. Um, but again, I saw, you know, we walked out of it without a single scratch to our bodies. And I was, yeah, I, I saw something about there is this God who is able to do, you know, amazing things. Um, then... During my early teenage years, um, the civil war started in Sri Lanka, which from 83 to 2009, there was a civil war going on in Sri Lanka. Um, and again, there was a lot of fighting and death. And um, our house uh, where we were living was in the corner of a three-way junction. And so um, unlike the houses here, the houses are concrete in Sri Lanka, which means that um, you know, the, the walls are quite secure. So during the night, there'll be fights happening with, between the rebels and the Sri Lankan armed forces. And the bullets would be hitting the bedroom where I, I would be sleeping on the other side. Um, <clears throat> but because there was no windows, yeah, so there, there was no chance of the bullet coming through. But still, it's not the normal way a child would go to sleep at night. Um, but because of my age, it was all an adventure for me too. You know, like when after the fighting finished, there was all these unexploded, you know, devices and we would take them <laughs> and try to explode them. And, and uh, also at school, um, 
you know, sadly, a lot of the kids who were going to fight were, you know, my age group, 12, 13, 14, and because, you know, they felt that the government was oppressing us, and so the way, way to deal with it is fight, and unfortunately, that meant that every day I went to class, my classmates were missing, you know, like they were deciding to go and jo join the forces. So, um, so my parents were really worried about it, and a typical day in a class, we, we our um, classroom was on the second floor of the of the school, and you know the Sri Lankan government forces would be shooting indiscriminately. And so, unless the bullet hit the classroom, the classes went on because the Tamil people valued education so much that unless you know something drastic like that happened, you know we would still go to school. So when my father heard um, that, and also there was another incident where um, I was sick and I didn't go to school that particular day, but on that day the, the army was um, mad with the rebels because some of their people got killed, and so they stopped one of the school buses like the one I would go in, got down all the kids and shot them dead. Uh, yeah, so... After that incident, my dad decided no school for you. Um, and so, yeah, so I was 12 at that time, or 13. And, and so, is, that, is that right, Alfred, that you were, you were sick that day? Yeah. And that's so right. you didn't catch yeah. the school bus yeah. that day? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, so my parents were really, you know, feeling the pressure of it, whereas I was like, this is a whole amazing adventure kind of thing. Um, and anyway, so my dad started applying for jobs overseas, and the first job he got was in, in the Maldives. And um, he, um, he was the only one who was allowed to go, but he took the whole family, my mum my and myself and my sister. So, so that's how we ended up in this country that was the main capital of the island, is five square kilometers with 100,000 people. Um, but the difference for us was that there was no fighting there and my parents could easily breathe if I went out and came back home at one o'clock that I would actually come home, not be shot somewhere. Yeah, so anyway, again, um, once I finished high school, there was no further education there, so my father decided I would go to Australia. It, it was not my choice because I knew that it would cost a lot of money for my parents to send me to Australia. So um, I wasn't terribly keen on the idea, but my father felt that this is where God wanted me, and you can't argue against your earthly father and heavenly father. So here I was. I came when I was 19, and so I did my studies here. Um, and probably it was during that time I kind of, I was away from my parents and I kind of made a choice for myself. You know, I could either go one way or go towards God. And so made a decision to follow Jesus. And soon after, I came to this church. So pretty much, you know, what I learned and everything was at, at New Life Christian Fellowship at the time. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Mm. So tell us about the Maldives. Your parents were there, and obviously you've spent some time there as well. Mm. Tell us a little bit about, for us to understand what it's like to be a Christian. 
the Maldives. Yeah, so Maldives is considered a 100% Muslim country, and by constitution, you cannot be a Maldivian and uh, any other faith, so you have to be a Muslim. Um, I don't know of any country, even Saudi Arabia or any other country you can think of, where by constitution somebody's made to follow a certain faith. Um, anyway, so, but because we were from another country, we were not necessarily persecuted, but um, you cannot take Bibles into the country, you cannot preach openly, um, and so on. Yeah, so it is quite restricted. But at school, always kids would ask questions about, you know, how did, how was Jesus born? You know, who was Jesus' father? And all that kind of questions. And, yeah, people had questions, but, yeah, you couldn't really answer yeah. while I was there, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. So you've had quite a few different experiences, oh. different countries. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, different faiths that you've been around. Yeah. What is it for you that's given you such a big heart for missions, having been in all these different cultural contexts, what for you has made, you know, made you have such a huge heart for missions? I think, yeah, for me, as I learned, you know, growing, grew in faith, it, it was quite obvious that it is important to God, and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the short answer is yeah, because it's that it is something important to God, and maybe it's a, a good to ask the question, what, what is missions, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, why do we, what, what does it mean to, to go on missions or whatever? So like the, the dictionary defines it as a particular task or task or an assignment. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go overseas to do it. Um, yeah. If you watch the Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> I'm sure you know, you get the idea, you know, they're given a task to complete and they go and do it. And the older Tom Cruise gets, it becomes more impossible, I think. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, in our case, God has done everything that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so why, why is mission important? It was the last command that Jesus gave before he went. Yeah. Um, so in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, we read that, yeah, Jesus wants us to go and make disciples in, in all, all the world. Um, and so, yeah, so Jack Haynes says it's important for us to make Jesus' last command our first priority. Yeah. And, yeah, so I guess the more as I grew in faith, I realized that it's important that I don't keep this finding to myself that I need to share what I found with others. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that it is a temptation for us here in Australia where we have such freedom to be able to come to church on a Sunday? We can just be so comfortable in the culture that we're in. Yeah. Do you think it's a temptation for us to forget the importance of that message of missions and to go out? I, I really love about both you and Rena that when it comes to missions, you see it as it's not just the other side of the world, but it's the neighbor in your street. It's the person that you run into um, at work, and you see it as, as, as much missions in front of you as it is across the rest of the world. But do you think that it's a temptation here in Australia just to get a bit comfortable? Yeah, I think for me, sometimes 
in us in australia we forget that we are actually christian <laughs> when you go to work you think oh i'm in the work mode i'll get the work done and then yeah. get out you know but in what god wants is our life to permeate other people who are around us to to experience what we are experiencing whether it's good or bad and then out of that hopefully to come to know him you know yeah. so it's not like you go and bible bash somebody and say you know turn or burn um <laughs> it it's 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 more that you you know you share your life with with people so i remember um somebody who was living uh, you know when i was single we were living together and you know there was this couple who was living with us and they were from another faith and they knew that i you know come and uh, play music at our church and so one day they I, i i really wanted them to come to church but i also knew you know it's a big deal for them to just so i prayed you know that they would do that but one day they asked me is it okay if i if we come and watch you play <laughs> sure you know and so what i'm trying to get at is you know as, as you keep you know building a friendship there will come opportunities for you to share your faith it doesn't have to be that you need to know a certain way of sharing or have everything worked out um most of the time i really have no clue how how to share my faith with others except to, what i know well is to you know have the build good friendships yes so that's great mm. What are, what are some things you think we've done wrong when it comes to missions in the past? I'm talking about just the church globally and oh. we've all got good intentions to reach out and, and touch people, but what's some things that we've just just haven't got it right? I think sometimes we already go with our preconceived ideas, you know, like you know, we've already decided oh this person is needs Jesus and that one doesn't or whatever, you know, and you look at somebody's appearance whatever and decide uh you know we we have already made up our mind about uh instead of um remembering our former selves <laughs> you know that we were once that way and uh we we just some kind of jump into com- conclusions about people and and where they are at so it's always good to you know probably remind yourself how god brought you to faith I'm sure none of you would say that you you are sitting here because you were forced into this way of life or you know belief or whatever um that's a, that's a privilege that God has given all of us yeah. we we don't the free will you know the will to choose that that's not God has never asked any of us to you know forcefully come and join you know the movement or do whatever so so that it's very important that when when we meet with people we give them the opportunity to come to Jesus in the way that God wants them to come not yeah. not us saying you need to follow these steps and get baptized and speak in tongues and you know get all these hoops done before you'll be called somebody we will accept you within our group kind of thing and also as a church you know when sometimes when people go out on on missions and when they come back you know people come with a lot of baggage because they have yeah. seen things and um, really not 
know how to um, get that into their own way of life here, you know. So it's also, as a church, we have a, um, I guess, an obligation to make sure that people who come back from a mission trip uh, are debriefed and, you know, know that what they want, you know. Yeah, Yeah. I've experienced that myself when we've gone to the Philippines on missions trips a few times and people go overseas and they become Billy Graham um, while, they're, while, while they're over there and then they come back and they're kind of like angry with everyone yep. in Australia for like, why don't you get it? There's people in need and, and, and like they're really, really aggro and uh, it, it, I think it does take some time to like kind of decompress and kind of um, come back into your culture after being in another culture where there can be so much need and it can be really in your face because yep. we can get really comfortable here um, and so it can be a challenge to do that. What's some scriptures that, I guess, have cu- encouraged you with missions or just in your personal faith? Um, so probably Psalm 2, verse 8, ask of me and I'll, I'll give the nations as an in- inheritance for you here. Yeah. Um, so again, that's something, you know, like anyone can ask God to help you with sharing your faith. So it's not something that you have to um, struggle with. Um, because it's not our job to convert someone. Yeah, to, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who does that work. We, we are just a vehicle that God amazingly decides to use despite our short, <laughs> shortcomings. Yeah. yeah, mind boggles why God even, you know, being the almighty, all-powerful God, he could, have, he could just say, follow me, that's it. Uh, but he decides to, you know, involve us in, in that um, then the uh, two Peter three, I think, verse eight. Um, in the second part of it, it talks about uh, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God doesn't want anyone to, um, you know, not not follow Him. So yes. that means that he, he hasn't said only this group of people I want, and the rest of them. Can go to hell. Um, yeah. So, so that yeah, those kind of yeah scriptures kind of really kept coming to me in my yeah. waking hours. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that particularly that scripture. Ask and I'll give the nations mm. to you. Sometimes we're asking for a car park, <laughs> and, and and God's going, hold on, think a bit bigger here. Yeah. You know, there's people to reach, and uh, we can get so. Mm accustomed to our uh, just culture that we live in today that we can forget there's a whole bunch of cultures Mm. there's a whole bunch of different people from different experiences but here's the thing jesus is the answer for everybody and i guess on this mission sunday i i just wanted us to be reminded again of the mission that we've been given it doesn't matter what culture what context the gospel is relevant to everybody and so let's let's be the church you know, I think I've said this kind of like in an antagonistic kind of way. We've got to stop going to church. Stop going to church. <laughs> we need to be the church. Mm-hmm. And so we don't just become the church and we get in this building. You know, we, our light shines even brighter when we, when we move outside of this place and we talk to our friends and work colleagues and people. And uh, just like what Alfred said, it's, it's a friendship. It's building relationship. And uh, Al- I love that. Alfred, someone that's led so many people to Jesus and had a huge impact. Uh, I love his humility there. He says, I don't know what I need to say. I don't know what I'm meant to do. Um, I think that's the same for me. 
I think that's the same for everybody. I haven't met an expert that goes, here's the 10 steps that I go through when I, when I meet someone. It's like every person's different. And so I'd encourage you to, to embrace the unfamiliar. Embrace the risk of it with just having a conversation with someone and trust the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you with what you say and what you do. So, Alfred, is there any closing thoughts that you want to say? I was just going to say that Australia, in Australia we are so privileged that you don't even have to get on a plane to reach the nations. You just have to <laughs> lean over your fence sometimes and yeah. the United Nations is staring back at you, you know. So it's, <laughs> it's so easy in Australia to, to, to be able to reach someone from another nation and you never know what that could eventually mean because uh, what I'm seeing now is a lot of people who have been here, become believers, are going back to their own countries and, and sharing their faith and building churches. And so you never know what uh, your friendship, your, you know, the words that you say. And also God doesn't expect you to see the whole journey through with one person. You might only be the person who just gave a kind word. Somebody else might go and do, do the rest of the work for you. So the job description is fairly simple and straightforward as far as I'm concerned when, when it comes to God asking us to complete this mission. You know, we just have to be available and be the person that he has called you to be. That's simply that, yeah. That's brilliant. So Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, and he'll be with you. What a great promise. Alfred, would you pray for us this morning? Would you stand with us? And I'd love us to to pray together, and pray for each one of us that we'd have that mission's heart as we go out. God, I thank you, Lord, that we can come together, um, that we have the freedom to come together. We have the freedom to come and worship you, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here that that you have called us and you have um, given your grace and love towards each one of us. And so we come with grateful hearts this morning as we come together. And Lord, I pray for each one that... Uh, as they grow in you, Lord God, that, that you would help them to share the love that you showed first to them with the people that, that are around them, Lord God. So, Lord, I ask that you would make it um, simple if people are struggling with how do I share my faith or what, what does it mean to, for me to be a mission missionary person. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would make things clear and as we sang in that song, Lord God, that, that you would open our eyes to see, that, that you would give us a heart to see the lost, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together for Alfred? That was amazing. So good. You can take a seat for a moment. I thought that was incredible from missing that school bus and seeing all of his school friends be killed on that day to being raised up to come to Australia and have the huge impact 
all over the world that Alfred is having and Rena together. I just think it's incredible what God can do with one life and can bring such a change. And it's the same for every one of us. If together we just lay our life down for Jesus and just trust him, what he could open up and what he could do with our lives. And I thought it'd be good this morning. I told Jonah that we'd do this, that we'd pray for him and Steph today and uh, pray for God's blessing on them and their church. So you can remain seated and then we're going to receive an offering for them and, and not just for them, but for all of our missions program to help cover all of our missionaries around the world and to be able to be a blessing towards them. And so if you want to prepare for that as I, as I pray for them, you're welcome to do so. But Lord Jesus, we just pray this morning for Jono and Steph, Lord. We thank you for the great work that they're doing in Japan. Lord, I thank you for the team that they're building, Lord God, and their church that's growing and people are being discipled into Jesus from not knowing any concept of who Jesus is or what Christianity is about to being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and the process of these new converts that are coming in and just seeing their lives completely changed. Lord, I pray for a huge amount of momentum in that church, Lord. I pray for salvation after salvation after salvation to happen over the weeks and months and years to happen. Lord Jesus, years ahead. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, for gentlemen and Steph, for your wisdom, for your strength, Lord God, for the burdens that they carry, Lord God, for the difficult seasons that they go through, through the times of loneliness where they miss being in Australia and they miss friends and family, Lord Jesus. I just pray that they would know your strength, Lord God. They would know your peace, Lord God, as a family, that your blessing and your favor would be upon them. I pray that they would want for nothing, Lord God. Every financial provision that they need would be supplied for them and for their church. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, ultimately that they would just see, keep seeing people reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That keep seeing disciples of Jesus Christ that are raised up. And that keep seeing leaders that are released into their calling as that church just continues to move forward in strength and power. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that that church would just see incredible momentum and breakthrough. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.